Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. We're on episode 184. Perceived personal power can lead to spiritual numbness. That's a mouthful. But as we go through today's text and the supporting information, I truly hope that you will see why I am driving down this road that is almost uncharted territory. So we have been making our way through the story of King David in 2 Samuel, and we've made it to 2 Samuel 11, and we've spent the last couple of weeks talking about the story in 2 Samuel 11, which is a famous slash infamous story about David and Bathsheba. How many times have we heard that text spoken about, taught on, or we've seen it on the big screen. I, this particular week, I felt God stirring in my heart regarding a specific crime that occurs and has occurred, even in biblical times, that, but is occurring in the world today in epidemic proportions. And that is the entire idea of sexual abuse, sex trafficking. And I had mentioned a few weeks ago that I had signed up to be a part of the Tim Tebow Foundation Rescue Team prayer team. And each weekday morning, I've been praying about specific categories of people, whether it be those that have been trafficked, uh, those who have been pulled out of trafficking, the perpetrators themselves. And as I was really pondering exactly what the Lord might be doing in my own heart, because he didn't give me such a passion for those who have been trafficked, for me not to do something with it. And I do believe it is beyond prayer. I am all about praying for traffic victims, praying for the whole situation, praying for law enforcement. You know, I'm all about that. But I just feel like God may have a an additional step or two or three thousand that He wants me to take in this area. And as I was thinking about it, I'm like. I want to go back and I want to listen to some stories of those who have been trafficked. And I did that. And I've spent the last few days listening through some stories of those who were trafficked by a particular powerful person. Powerful when it comes to monetary power influence, and influence in some of the highest levels in the U.S. government. And as I have thought more and more and more about this particular story and the lessons to learn from it, it opened my eyes to a different angle on the story of David and Bathsheba. So 
The story of David and Bathsheba has traditionally been taught one of two ways. And as I was spending some time today looking through commentaries and just reading different focuses or foci, whichever it may be, on the story, I came upon two different directions. One is not one that I have heard very often, but from what I was reading, many times the story in Bathsheba, when it has been brought onto the screen where you've got actors and actresses playing it, they have portrayed Bathsheba as this temptress who had gone up on the roof to bathe in order to tempt David, that she was just this femme fatale, and this was all a ploy of hers. I do not see that in the biblical text, not even remotely in the biblical text. We do know that she was bathing on the roof, but I'm going to remind us that this was not the time of air conditioning, okay? In Israel at that time, it was warm or possibly hot. And for her to be bathing on the roof did not seem to be that kind of scandalous slant that people have, have made it out to be. The second variation is the one you hear the majority of the time. And I just read two, in my opinion, reputable preachers in their commentaries and they were commenting on the story and it was as if yes David was guilty of lust yes David was guilty of pursuing her but they were guilty of adultery together and we know that she was a married woman we saw that in last week's text so I'm not denying that there was definitely an act of adultery in this. But I want to cause us to think about something that is not mentioned in any of those commentaries, that is definitely not portrayed in the movie variations. And that has to do with the power differential. So what in the world is the power differential? Well, there are books, there are seminars all over the place on power differentials. For instance, let's say you have a CEO of a company and you have somebody who is an entry-level employee. If there's someone who thinks that there's not a power differential between that person who is at the top of an organization and the person that is entry level, like what world do you live in? We all know that there is different levels of power. That's one of the reasons when you have situations in companies, when you have stories about abuse, it has to do with the abuse of power. Whether we want to admit it or not, 
there's a power differential between David and Bathsheba. So let's start back through this text, reading from the NLT, but I will also read the specific verse that we're focusing on, which is verse 4, from the ESV and from the NASB. The ESV and the NASB are both more word-for-word translations. But I want you to hear what God's Word says. And then I want you to think about exactly what all David was guilty of in this particular circumstance. Verse 1, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Reba. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago in the fact that David wasn't where he was supposed to be. I mean, here he is, king. It's thought at this time that he was probably about 50 years old. So he's been well established as the king of Israel. And he doesn't have to be out leading the army. He can send Joab out. But it was just a part of their culture that he would be out there cheering them on, giving advice, all of that good stuff. But instead, David, well, he's hanging out at home. He's taking a leisurely nap. He's walking out on his roof in the late afternoon. Like, he's not where he needs to be. And and a lot of times we fall into temptation because we are truly not where we're supposed to be. And that could keep us out of a lot of trouble is if we would be busy about the Lord's business, doing what we're supposed to be, we would avoid a lot of temptations in life. The second verse also adds details for us. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, see David's working real hard, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. That's not surprising either. Uh, Here he is, he's lounging on his roof, which was not unusual. They had flat roofs. And so this is, he's just chilling. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. And again, he's in the wrong place, but he sees a beautiful woman taking a bath. Not somebody that he knows who is. We find that out for sure. And But he looks out and he sees a beautiful woman. And we talked in that week's lesson about the fact that we can't avoid every temptation in life. It's not possible. We are going to see a nice looking guy or a beautiful woman. Or we're going to be tempted with many, many, many things that are going to come to our ears, to our eyes, and just to our spirits, like we are going to. But it's what we do with that temptation that matters so much. And what David did was flee and said, Oh God, have mercy on me. I've seen a woman bathe. No, he didn't. You know that. And in last week's lesson, we talked about the importance of fleeing from temptation. And we compared David in this situation to Joseph, the coat of many colors, Joseph, where Joseph took off. And even though he had some bad consequences because he was faultily, falsely accused, uh, Joseph did the right thing and he got out of that temptation. 
And here we go. David, instead of running from the temptation, he, he wants to find out more information. Like, who is this beautiful woman? He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So we don't know if the person giving him the information, whichever servant that came back, we don't know if he was saying that those two names to try to wake David up to, hey, Uriah is one of your fighters that's out there defending your kingdom while you're sitting here. Or if the person was really just giving him, you know, just the vitals of, hey, this is Bathsheba. She's so-so's daughter and she's Uriah's wife. We don't know. But one of the things that we do know is when we act on our lustful thoughts, we are not seeing the other person as a person of worth that God created. We are seeing them as an object. That's part of why sex trafficking, pornography is such a huge market because it depersonalizes and it makes them either an object for pleasure or it makes the person an object for financial gain. Either way, it is not celebrating this person for who God created them to be. And so that's how far we got with last week's story. And this week, we only go one more verse into it. But it is a very, very, very serious verse. And it's one that I will never read again in the same way. I've never heard this verse and this story preached in the manner in which I am going to ask you to think about this. But I do have an article that I have listed down in the show notes. It's called Bathsheba's Story, Surviving Abuse and Loss, that really is causing me to rethink the entire story of David and Bathsheba. Verse 4, starting from the NLT, and then we're going to take it from the ESV and the NASB. Then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. What is Why in the world does it have to do with the uh, purifying after her menstrual period, well, guess what? She was ripe to have a baby. That's what we're saying here. Or at least that's part of what we're saying. The ESV says, So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been pur pur purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house. And the NASB, Then David sent messengers and had her brought and for the footnote, it says it literally means that David sent messengers and they took her and he slept with her. And she had purified herself from her uncleanness. She returned to her house. We will talk about 
not the whole rest of the story, but we'll talk about next week the cover-up. But this week, we're talking about the power differential between David and Bathsheba. As I was reading through a couple of the comments, I just was dumbfounded at how the writers presented this as a sin of equals or as a sin more of Bathsheba and no one, not in any of those, discuss the fact that David is, number one, a man in Israel that was a male-dominated society. Number two, he is the king of Israel. And number three, he is Bathsheba's husband's boss. So, I want you to just try to get a little idea of what this might have been like for Bathsheba. Bathsheba is minding her own business. We don't see any anything in this that lets us to leads us to believe that her bathing on her roof was in any way, shape, or form trying to tempt the king who wasn't supposed to be there. So let's take that out of the equation. So Bathsheba is minding her own business. She's at home, and all of a sudden, one or, well, at least two, because we know that it says messengers of the king, come to her house and summon her to the king's quarters. If you are Bathsheba, what is going on in your heart and mind? This is not a normal occurrence. Right now, as I am recording this podcast, the lengthy funeral proceedings for Queen Elizabeth of England are occurring. If you had lived down the road from the Queen, would you have been anticipating messengers from her kingdom to show up on your doorstep and say, the Queen requests your company? And would you be expecting to say no? Or now that Charles is king of England, if you lived down the road from the, from the I can't, palace, that's the word I'm aiming for. If you lived down the road from the palace and you have two messengers or more messengers from the king of England coming to your doorstep and saying the king requests your company, are you going to say no? Like, it's, it's totally possible that Bathsheba would have been able to say no. It, it is a fact that her wor- the word no could have come out of her mouth. But what is the probability of the king calling on you and you saying, no, not coming? Or asking them, what does he want? Like, can you just see that in England with King Charles and them saying, no, they are the loyal subjects 
They are supposed to do what the king or the queen do their bidding to do what they... So Bathsheba shows up at David's palace. And you don't know what she was thinking. Was she thinking something must have happened to Uriah and they're bringing me here to tell me this? Or is she just like, what did I do wrong? Like, is, is there something wrong? Or, like, I don't think there's any way on God's green earth that she believed, oh, King David has been lusting after me, and he has called me to have adultery with him. No! Like, it's not in Scripture. It's, no, it's not there. And so David, King David, sends messengers to take her and bring her to the palace. Is there not a significant power differential between David, king of Israel, and Bathsheba? Absolutely. Absolutely. You cannot possibly read this text without seeing it from this point forward. You can't. And I never will. Because I have always known that David committed adultery. Number one, he committed adultery against Uriah because he is having sex with Uriah's wife. But number two, David, we already know, has an issue with women. He's got multiple wives, including concubines, which are lesser wives. So he's already struggled and fallen in the category of lust and looking at someone else's wife and taking multiple wives. I, I don't have any doubt that David took Bathsheba. Did David physically rape her? I do not know. In the article, the one that I have listed, Bathsheba's story, surviving abuse and loss, they, you know, point out that there's at least that possibility. I, I, I'm having a hard time with that, not saying that it's impossible. But I see a power differential here. And Bathsheba feeling that if she says no, there may be serious consequences against her, serious consequences against her husband. He's not going to get his promotion. He's not like... I just, the more I think about this, the more my heart goes out to Bathsheba. And yes, she could have said no. But what would have happened and what did she think would happen if she said no to the king of Israel who was in control? At that point, remember this was the golden age of Israel. His troops were just wiping the slate, like everything was going very well. And as we think about this, I want you to think about David. This is David, the shepherd boy, the one that was chosen by God. God sent Samuel out there to choose this young man to be the next king of Israel. He is known as a man after God's own heart. And at one point in the most famous story of David's life, he's this young boy 
And he sees this giant named Goliath who's spouting obscenities and just taunting the Israelite army. And David, knowing that he does not have the power to defeat Goliath, approaches Goliath and in verse 45 of 1 Samuel 17 says, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will, then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. This same David that at approximately, you know, somewhere in the ballpark of 15 years of age, understood that he did not have power in himself. That all power comes from the Lord of heaven's armies. Had moved to a place that in our story today with David and Bathsheba, he had what he considered perceived personal power. He was in control. He sent. This is all about David. He sent his troops out to battle. He sent the messenger to find out who is that woman bathing. He sent his messengers to bring her to the palace. David, in this point in his life, was so full of power and lust and lust for power for that matter that he had forgotten that he still was the lowly servant of the Lord of heaven's armies and that he'd been placed on that throne and in that palace because of God's protection and provision all David could see was through those eyes of it's all about me, and I want her. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who has written some incredible uh, works over the years, wrote a book called Creation and Fall, Temptation, Two Biblical Studies, and I have a link to it in the show notes. And I want you to hear this excerpt explanation of temptation and specifically when it has to do with lust this right here it is so fitting of david but it can be so fitting of us it says in our members there is a slumbering inclination towards desire which is both sudden and fierce with irresistible power desire seizes mastery over the flesh all at once, a secret smoldering fire is kindled. The flesh burns and is in flames. Joy in God is extinguished in us, and we all we seek all our joy in the creature. At this moment, God is quite unreal to us. Satan does not hear, does not hear fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. The lust thus aroused envelop the mind and the will of man in deepest darkness. The powers of clear discrimination and of decision are taken from us. It is here that everything within us, within me, rises up against the word of God. 
oh my goodness. Like we could take that for a week and try to pull it apart. But David was not thinking about God in this moment. Not even close. He was thinking, I want her and I have the power to get her and I am going to have her. And he did. And one of the reasons that we know that David was so far gone by this time was how long it takes him and what it takes him to come back to the Lord. We know that it is over nine months until he wakes up. And by that point, he has committed a crime, not only a crime of passion or lust, just plain lust, but a crime in what he does with Uriah. As we think about this, and we think about our own life, what is it that has your attention? Is there something in your life that has your attention so strongly that you are tempted to throw away everything that you once held dear in order to have that object? Remember, that object could be a person. I want you to think, when it comes to our weekly assignment feature, I want you to reflect upon the power differential between King David and Bathsheba. Because there definitely was one. Even though people have not written about it much, there definitely was one. I want you to think about what are some modern day examples. They may be ones that you personally have experienced. Or it may be ones that you've heard about. You know, so many times people wonder why in the world trafficked victims do not leave their captors. They'll say, hey, you were you were out away. Why in the world didn't you run? Well, that captor still had the power because the young girl, the young boy, whatever it may have been, may have been told, hey, if you run, I'm going to kill your family. Or if you run, you will never be able to run from me. I will find you. So even though they didn't have physical power over them, they had emotional power over them or they just the threat of. With David and Bathsheba, David had lost focus of where power truly resided. At this point, he was puffed up with pride. And he thought he was all that. And he wanted her. He sent for her and he took her. And how much willingness she had in this, we don't know and we're not going to know. But as you look at this story, I want you to just think, what areas of your life are out of control? You may think there's nothing in my life that is out of, off kilter, so to speak. I mean, if we had stopped and asked David at this time, are you where you need to be with the Lord? It's a very good possibility that David would have said, oh, yeah, absolutely. And yet he wasn't. Not even close. And it's ironic 
that in Psalm 139, those verses that I've prayed over you so many times and that I remind you of again today, if David had uttered that prayer that he recorded in Psalm 139, 23 through 24, if he had stopped and he had inquired of the Lord, to point out any way in him that offended God and to lead him in the way of everlasting life, how differently would this story have gone? Or one, this story wouldn't have even been in the Bible. And this sin would never have occurred. I ask in this very moment, that the Lord will search us and know our hearts, that he will test us and know our anxious thoughts, that he will point out any way in each of us that offends him, and he will lead us in the way of everlasting life. And before we get off today, I want to just do a, a small shout out to an organization for those who have dealt with sex crimes. Whether Bathsheba was truly taken by David or she went willingly, we're not going to know this side of heaven. But we do know that there was definitely a power differential. And next up, she's going to become a widow because David is going to try to cover up his crime. And if you know of someone who has been an abuse victim. I have put a link down in the show notes to an organization that's called RAIN, R-A-I-N-N. And RAIN stands for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. It's the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. And in 27 years, they've helped 3.7 million survivors and their loved ones. So if you know of someone who has suffered at the hands of another in some sort of manner of sexual violence, sex trafficking, sexual abuse. You can check out this website as well as ways to spot those type of activities, ways to take care of yourself, to be cautious, to teach others to be careful, to watch out for signs. I know this has been a little bit of a different podcast, but it's one that I feel very strongly about. I would have never, before this week, have thought about this in such a way. I remember hearing people talk about whether Bathsheba would have had the ability to say no to David, whether to go to the kingdom. I don't know that she could have said no to go to the kingdom. I really don't know because she's a subject of the king. But when it came to him wanting to have sexual intercourse with her, we know that in, at least in the human standpoint she had the ability to say no 
But in her mind, what would she have lost if she had? And so again, I point you to the article. It's uh, Bathsheba's story, Surviving Abuse and Loss. It's from a book called Flawed Families of the Bible, How God's Grace Works Through Imperfect Relationships. It is definitely an interesting read. And so I've got that in the show notes. I have information down there about our Instagram. You know, we, if you've been on listening to this before, you've heard about our Facebook group. All of those are encouraging others in loving Jesus. Um, you can reach out to me via email, encouraging others in loving Jesus at gmail.com. Got information about the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline because not only uh, do I want to support Rain and their mission, but also if there's someone out there who is struggling, whether you've been abused or you're just going through a really dark time and you just need some help, you can text or call 988, which is the new National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. And get pointed to some help. We have information in the show notes also about the hidden episodes, those first episodes of the podcast back in the day and that are kind of hard to get to. Got that information on there. I just want to thank you for tuning in. I want to encourage you as you do the weekly assignment feature and you think about the power differentials that you have seen, maybe ones that are in your own life. And I want you to think about at least one person that you feel like could benefit from today's lesson and share it. It's free for you to listen to and it's free for you to share. And I ask you to take just a moment to share, to possibly review on whatever podcast platform that you listen and pray for me as I continue to work through this. Next week will be the cover-up and just how our human tendency when we have committed a sin, we have that temptation to try to make it go away. And David was just like you and I when it comes to that. He just had more resources because of that power that he had. He had more resources to try to just make it go away. And as we finish up today, I just want to remind you, it is always a trust and obey kind of day.